Hi everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Madison Ford. I'm very excited to share today's episode with you. This is an interview with Nenea Hoffman, the founder of the Sweatpants and Coffee blog and community. In this interview, Nenea shares her struggles with anxiety, how and why she founded the Sweatpants and Coffee community, her relationship with the Potter fandom and the rest of the series, and she tells us all about the Anxiety Blob Comfort and Encouragement Journal and the Anxiety Blob Comfort and Encouragement Guide. You won't want to miss this episode. It's an absolute delight of an interview. So let's dive right in. Welcome back to Beyond the Veil, everybody. Today on the podcast, we have Nania Hoffman. Nania, thank you for joining me. I'm delighted to be here. So can you get us started by uh, telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Okay. I am Nania Hoffman. I'm the founder of Sweatpants and Coffee, which is an online community that is all about comfort, inspiration, and connection. Uh, I live in Santa Clara, California, but I'm originally from Hawaii, and I've also lived in Tokyo and the Seattle area. So we are going to talk about a whole lot of things from sweatpants and coffee, um, but you are also a really big Harry Potter fan. Yes. I When I found out that I would be on this podcast, um, I was so excited because, of course, I'm well aware of MuggleNet and... Uh, and you know how big you are in the fandom so oh my very goodness for me. <laughs> or it is so lovely to have you on um and i yeah i've been with MuggleNet for a while but before i was you know it's been such a big part of my fandom experience uh fan sites and online harry potter you know that was sure that was a huge chunk of my life so <laughs> um but so for your Harry Potter experiences, um, what are some of your like your Hogwarts house, your Patronus? What sort of Harry Potter information should we know about you? Okay, so uh, the unofficial quiz says that I'm a Hufflepuff. The Pottermore mm-hmm. quiz said that I was a Slytherin, and Wizarding World says I'm a Gryffindor. I would say that I identify as a Gryffindor uh, mm-hmm. because. I can be, um, you know, brave and, um, you know, very protective, especially of my my loved ones and things that I believe in. But then I'm also really about like comfort and, you know, connecting with other people and and um, sort of kindred souls. So, yeah, I would say I'm a Griffin Puff. Um, my favorite book is Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, for reasons that I'll get into later. Um, my favorite movie would, was The Sorcerer's Stone. And simply because it was so exactly the way I had imagined um, that mm-hmm. world. And it was just so magical to see that. And, you know, John Williams score and, and um, yeah, it was, it just completely transported me. Um, and my wand is, which I got at Wizarding World, is a Neville's wand. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so when did you first come across the Harry Potter series? So I, um, you know, we were talking earlier and I told you that I I came upon Harry Potter as an adult. Um, 
And uh, a lot of what it appealed to me about Harry Potter is I grew up basically as this kind of lonely misfit nerd in Hawaii. And this was pre-internet. Um, so it was a lot harder to find communities of people who uh, enjoyed the same things that you did, especially if the things you liked were not necessarily mainstream. Um, mm -hmm. And I was really into like sci-fi and fantasy and any kind of escapist um, literature. Uh, and I stumbled across, I, I found first the Harry Potter fandom online. And I don't really remember how, I was probably just surfing, um, but it intrigued me. And the first, it was the first place I had ever seen people who were so obsessed like geekily obsessed in, in a wonderful way and just unapologetically nerdy and excited about something they loved. And I just immediately felt like, oh my gosh, these are my people. And then I watched the first movie uh, with my son who was then, oh gosh, he was really little, like probably four or five. So just the right oh. age to start watching these movies. And because he loved it so much, of course, that increased my enjoyment. Then I went looking for the books and those kind of sent me right back to the fandom. This was um, right after Goblet of Fire had come out. Um, and my understanding is that the Harry Potter fandom sort of um, exploded during the period between uh, Azkaban and Goblet of Fire because it was such a long uh, period of time between books. So people needed to kind of fill it up with their own imagination, which, which I also love. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested. So did you, you started reading the books before you uh, discovered the online community? I had stumbled, I had found the, the online community first okay. and, you know, didn't really know what the story was, but I was just fascinated by the fans and their dedication to these stories. Um, and I'm a big believer in storytelling. Uh, and that is what made me want to watch the movie, which I think probably at that time was on, you know, HBO or, or one of the cable uh, networks. Mm. And after that, I was like, okay, I got to read these books now. And wow. after having like devoured the first four, because Order of the Phoenix wasn't out yet. Um, <laughs> that's when um, I kind of went right back to the fandom because I'm like, okay, I want more, more, more. Um, are people creating more content based on these characters in this amazing world? That's so interesting to me because I think I think the fandom is a lot of the reason a lot of people have stuck around with Potter for so long. You know, such yeah. a creative community. Um, and I, I guess I was confused because I th th think yours is the first story I've heard of where somebody discovered the online community first. And the, what a an interesting way to be like taken into the Harry Potter community, like the world of it through the fans right. first thing. It was a really, I think, roundabout journey. <laughs> yeah, I love that, though. I love the uh, I, I don't know. I think I feel like it shows how the magic of the series can really it really truly does just like soak through the fans into the community all these messages about love and friendship and acceptance yeah. um, and i would also say that for me as as like this young mother who hadn't been aware of the series um because i had been living in tokyo 
And then mm-hmm. I was in the Seattle area taking care of this baby. So there wasn't much time for like leisure reading. Um, it, it really was um, kind of like a gift. It was like a return to to that childhood excitement of finding this this imaginary world that that you just love. Wow. That's I love hearing how this what what particular flavor of magic the Potter series is and I love that idea that return to childhood um at a moment where like in young adulthood I'm not a parent myself but I can imagine it feels there's a kind of symbolic aspect of it of returning to your own childhood and you know to a the world of like a quote children's book when you are when you have a child as well yeah absolutely this is rounding out interestingly so you had this community with the harry potter fans and then um at some point in your life you came up with the idea for sweatpants and coffee uh which is also an online community and we can talk in a little bit about kind of the role of online communities but um I guess when looking at the start of sweatpants and coffee, uh, what do you think led you to that moment of inspiration? I would say probably the same things that led me to the Harry Potter fandom initially, which is um, mm-hmm. I wanted connection. I wanted, I, I was, I was lonely. I'm an introvert. It doesn't come naturally to me to uh, socialize and um I'm the kind of person who hates small talk. Like I would much rather immediately tell you my Harry Potter house than talk about the weather. Um, And I found that the internet Mm -hmm. can provide kind of this wonderful shortcut to getting to know people and finding out what they're passionate about. Um, And for sweatpants and coffee, uh, this was 2013. And I was just at a place in my life where um, both my kids were in school. So, and, and, you know, I had been at home with them and I thought, okay, so I feel like I, I finally have some space to think about what am I passionate about? What do I want to talk about? Um, and in, in, during this shower, it just kind of came to me. I, I want to talk about things that I love and what do I love? And in that moment it was like, well, I love sweatpants and coffee. <laughs> like those are two of my favorite things. <laughs> They're comforting. <laughs> um, I enjoy them. And I thought, well, I'll start this little blog and I'm just going to talk about things that I like. And, you know, maybe if I'm lucky, maybe a couple hundred people will, will read it, you know, my family and friends, and I don't know, maybe they'll share it with other people. And it turned, it just apparently resonated with a lot of people and just kind of blew up on social media um and now it is a thriving community um which i still uh marvel at but that that really is it was loneliness nerdiness wanting to connect um and uh really seeking enjoyment and and you know delight i love that and i'm curious do you think that participating in the online Harry Potter community, do you think that that gave you a, I don't know, like a, not a model necessarily, but do you think that that influenced that desire to create a community of your own? Definitely. Um, I, I think whether 
consciously or unconsciously, I was seeking that feeling of of connection that I had found uh, in places like the Harry Potter fandom. Um, and it, I think it comes from connecting over something that you uh, really love and are passionate about, um, as opposed to, you know, when I was growing up, you connected with the people who were just in your vicinity and you kind of got what you got, you know, <laughs> whoever was mm-hmm. in your class at school or whatever. Um, and I just loved that you could find not, not just that you loved Harry Potter, but you could find little, you know, subsets within that community of people who just really loved specific aspects of this story that you also loved and were willing to talk mm. about it with you for hours, you know? Um, so yes, I definitely um, was longing for that. And I will also say that being in the Harry Potter fandom and even just like kind of lurking around sort of created um, for me a literacy that I didn't have um, as far as navigating an online community. And so when the mm-hmm. idea of sweatpants and coffee came to me, um, I think at that point I was pretty comfortable that uh, I could do this. I really love that. I really, I talk a lot in the show about the important role that um, online fandom community has for people. And, you know, I've spoken to people who have, you know, they've made their career decisions based around Harry Potter in some way or something they learned from the books or from the fandom. And to see just another manifestation of how um, the community has touched somebody and in essence created another amazing, wonderful resource, a place where people can connect um, and share their true selves, you know, not, um, I love what you said, like a shortcut to getting to know somebody that really close knit um, connection that these kinds of communities can build. And in Sweatpants and Coffee, uh, there is so much uh, content about mental health. And so I'm really curious to know what role did your own mental health experience play in the creation of Sweatpants and Coffee? So I hadn't intended it to be a community that necessarily talked about mental health. Um, mm-hmm. I think at that time, people were sort of first starting to talk openly about uh, anxiety, which is um, something that I deal with. And I think right around that time, I had also been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Um, mm. And, you know, that was really validating, but also surprising because I just thought that that's, that was everybody's experience in the world. And then to find out that, oh, you know, maybe not everyone uh, wakes up with their heart pounding through their ears when the alarm goes off in the morning. I I thought, well, that's just how you wake up. And and I found out, no, that's actually an anxiety or trauma response, um, something like that. So I was starting to become knowledgeable about my own experience. And um, a big part of sweatpants and coffee is um, narrative storytelling. Um, Mm. we have a lot of pieces where people just want to share something about their life. Um, usually something that, uh, they have overcome or, or that they're just dealing with and they, they want to kind of witness it for themselves, uh, by telling their story. Um, and this was my story. 
So, <laughs> so I, I started to, to talk about it and to write about it. And I tell my friends, it's sort of the introvert writer's dilemma because you have this like longing to be known uh, and you kind of tend to want to overshare, but you also want to be a little bit distanced from your audience, mm-hmm. which you can do because you're on the other side of the screen or the page. Um, so it was sort of the perfect uh, deal for me. When I started Sweatpants and Coffee, uh, I don't think that mental health was as openly discussed as it is today. Like now you'll see celebrities like Kristen Bell talking about having anxiety, um, you know, but at the time there wasn't really that much of a roadmap. I, I think people were just becoming aware of their own conditions in many cases. Uh, even though, of course, anxiety and depression and all of these things are so prevalent. Um, and it just felt necessary to talk about my story, mainly to to assure myself that this is a real thing that is happening mm-hmm. to me um, and that this experience is, is valid. Um, I think that people who deal with mental health issues, one of the symptoms of your your illness is that you question the reality of it. You think you're faking all the time. Mm. Um, you know, you you have this fear that that it's not real. Um, and so I think one of the ways that we can um, sort of assert our own experience is to is to talk about it and then, it really resonated with people. I think the number one comment I get anytime I write about it is, oh my gosh, you're in my head. And I always laugh because I'm thinking, no, you're in my head. (laughs) You have no idea. Uh, So I I do remember people being very skeptical actually when I first started. And some people were really dismissive. They thought this was a silly idea. They thought it was ridiculous that I was talking about these things. I'll never forget someone said, you know, you need to just go take some happy pills. And uh, you know what? I do I do take happy pills. They're called mood stabilizers, and they make my life a lot better. I'm really grateful for them. Not that we couldn't get, you know, a response like that today, but it is wild to think about how different the response is to talking about mental health today compared to, you know, five, seven years ago. It's It's been a great... Um, growth curve, I think. Mm-hmm. And in talking about um, anxiety, uh, you have on sweatpants and coffee, the anxiety blob, which uh, I'll sound exactly like the, you know, responses. As soon as I saw the anxiety blob, I was like, this is it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is that feeling that just uh, uh, being a there's, I mean, that's the only way to describe it is feeling like an anxiety blob. So I would love to know um, how the anxiety blob came to be and uh, what it is, you know, anything you want to share about all that. All right. So one of the things that I do um, for sweatpants and coffee is I'll create these little um, sort of cartoons or, or memes that we, we share on Uh, our social media platforms. And it's usually something encouraging or often coffee related. 
but just something to make people smile or to, to make them feel better. And, and all of it is my self dialogue. It's always some version of I'm okay. You're okay. We're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it may seem redundant to some people because I do kind of return to the same themes. And one day um, I thought I would draw what my anxiety looked like. And it turns out that my anxiety looks like a vaguely worried potato. <laughs> um, and, and I just made the little meme that said, you know, uh, wouldn't it be great if we just um, high fived each other for doing, you know, such a good job as we go about our adulting. And then we just went on with our day. And um, one of my, um, one of my staff, had a friend who made custom plush and she sent her the drawing and said, Hey, could you make this for my boss? And she made these two little blob guys and sent them to me. And of course I loved them. And I took a little selfie and I put it on our Instagram page. And honestly, within minutes of posting it, people were commenting saying, where can I buy these? And wow. it had never even occurred to me. I thought, Oh, well, maybe this is a thing we should try to do. <laughs> and so we started, um, you know, having these these plush anxiety blobs made uh, and people loved them. And, you know, he comes with a little saying that says anxious. I shouldn't say he. Let me let me correct myself. The blob is not gendered. Okay, The blob <laughs> is whatever you want the blob to be. <laughs> um, they come with a little saying that says anxious is how I feel, not who I am. And so it was sort of like this physical manifestation of your anxiety that is tangible and that you can cuddle with. You can cuddle with your fears because anxiety is not something that you cure. It's something that you manage. And so you mm -hmm. kind of have to make peace with it. And I think the idea of visualizing your anxiety is this kind of, you know, helpless potato blob is very it's very helpful um, and brings the compassion that's kind of needed to manage anxiety symptoms, you know? Yes, absolutely. I find that a lot of, um, it's interesting to me that a lot of our um, followers end up buying anxiety blobs for their college students when they're going off to school. Um, you know, like they often buy them as gifts. They'll mm -hmm. get one for themselves, but then they, everyone knows someone in their life who has anxiety and maybe needs a little potato to hug. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been wonderful to see it spread that way. In fact, um, one of the things that happened almost immediately and that was so uh, surprising and wonderful to me is that people started naming their anxiety blobs and actually creating like Instagram accounts for them. That's so there, cute. There are, there are actually, if, if you look at the um, anxiety blob hashtag on Instagram, uh, you'll see a lot of um, accounts that are dedicated. Like one of them is called um, Blobbert De Niro, which I think is hilarious. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's amazing to me um, how much it resonated with people uh, right from the get-go. And one of the things... Um, that I think built a lot of awareness is we did an event called the depressed cake shop in Santa Monica, um, which is a pop-up 
uh, fundraiser, kind of a grassroots found fundraiser, like anyone can do it. And it's a bake sale where all the baked goods are gray to represent oh, wow. depression. But say you cut into this cupcake that has gray frosting and on the inside, it's a rainbow to remind you that depression is not just what you see on the surface, you know, that there's more to it. And I just thought it was such a wonderful event and a wonderful cause because the proceeds are always donated to um, like NAMI or, uh, you know, some organization that promotes mental health. And so we had donated uh, a bunch of gray anxiety blobs and that's when it kind of exploded within the mental health community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that people started to see the blob as a mental health mascot. So that that's another thing that just kind of happened organically. It's so interesting to see how this is something that people really didn't talk about for so long, um, many years where you know, talking about mental health was taboo. And then, you know, you start talking about it and using these metaphors and how uh, this whole universal, like, you know, so many people experience mental health issues. And then as soon as we start talking about it, we realize there's this huge thing that we, a lot of us have in common that we just haven't been talking about before. Um, So I just... In some ways, it is, it's always surprising to see the response that people have. But then, you know, it's kind of like, of course, we're all anxiety blobs, you know? <laughs> it makes sense. Certainly these days, I feel like that is probably the appropriate response to <laughs> yes. what's going on in the world. Um, I think it also is a reminder that you're not alone mm-hmm. in what you're going through. And that is one of the things that the disorder makes you feel is that you're the only one who's feeling this way. Everyone else is normal. You're the weirdo. Um, And, you know, why can't you just get over it? Um, So this sense of connection that people have to the anxiety blob and to other people in that community, it is the kindest, most supportive, empathetic community. Um, And I'm so grateful for it. That also reminds me of things like the Harry Potter fandom, Mm -hmm. where you're brought together by this thing that you have in common, and it really bonds you in ways that um, you could never have foreseen. Absolutely. Well, and that brings me to my next question, where I wonder if the Harry Potter series played a role in your own mental health journey. Definitely. Um, I would say... First and foremost, it was escapism, Mm -hmm. which I really needed at the time and which my therapist says is a legit coping mechanism. Um, Like it's your brain actually needs pleasurable distraction Mm -hmm. um, when you're coping with, say, depression, PTSD. Um, I was recently diagnosed with bipolar 2 and it really helps to manage those conditions to allow your brain to rest and and find delight in in a story that really has nothing to do with your life Um, but of course there are connections to my own life Um, i related very heavily to dealing with dementors Mm. um, which i know are um, 
you know, a metaphor for depression. That's probably why Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite book in the series. Um, I definitely have felt like I am in Azkaban, mm-hmm. you know, with Dementors sucking the, the joy out of my life. Um, and I will say chocolate does help. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I have been through, um, you know, the loss of both my parents. Um, and so Festrals, this physical manifestation of, of grief that people, only people who've been through what you've been through can see. Mm-hmm. Because there really is a before and after. Um, when you've gone through something like that. And I know that uh, J.K. Rowling had had gone through her own loss. Um, I would also say, you know, honestly, the gaslighting by the Ministry of Magic, where uh, your own reality is being directly contradicted. Um, And I think I see a lot of parallels to that today as well. Absolutely. I'm curious, with all of these metaphors, do you feel like the Harry Potter has sort of equipped you to cope with the different curveballs that life can throw at us as far as not just mental health goes, but, you know, the like the traumas of the outside world? Um, has it helped with that? Definitely. Um, you know, just seeing all the... I took a writing class, well, I've taken several writing classes, but one of the things that stuck with me is if you want people to care about your protagonist, you have to do horrible things to your protagonist. And that's that's what happens to Harry. He goes through so many traumas and so much loss, uh, and he's just forced to figure it out. And that is so much of dealing with mm-hmm. um, mental health struggles. Uh, you don't know. You're just making it up as you go along. Um, you don't think you're being brave, but you're just waking up every day and continuing to be here. Yeah. And that's bravery. Absolutely. We've been through, you know, you talked about dementors and thestrals. And I'm curious if there's any other maybe characters or moments or um, themes that have been especially impactful in your reading of the Potter series? Um, gosh, there's almost too many to pick. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for me, one of the most impactful is, um, is when Harry realizes that he can see Thestrals and that Luna can as well. Mm-hmm. Just that simple um, empathy, you know, that, okay, here are these two characters who are so different and yet they're connected by this common experience that the people around them haven't had. It's like Mm. a secret handshake. Yeah. Um, And that is a lot of what I have felt in sharing my own uh, mental health experiences. Um, And, oh, I forgot to say, because this is also part of the um, pleasant distraction as a way of coping um, in 2000. 16, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I knew that I was going to have to go through um, what eventually was a double mastectomy and then I was looking at you know months of chemo and radiation and before all of that started um, I just looked at my husband and said we have to go to Wizarding World Mm. because that was on my you know my bucket list of places I wanted to go and I'm like our whole family needs this right now 
you know, my son was graduating from high school. My daughter was in fifth grade and, you know, it was a lot for all of us. And uh, I would actually, right before I came out here to do the podcast with you, I was talking about it with my son and he said, that was such a great trip. We really needed that. Mm. So again, it's this magical place that you can go to forget about your worries um, with characters that you love and, and identify with. Like the act of physically going to the wizarding world is always so interesting to hear about and that it could become like this literal escape when you needed it is uh, I'm just so grateful that that is that's something that's there that people can experience when having that extra uh, dash of magic in real life I think is really impactful at the parks definitely um, and I see, I see among our writers and our readers that often they have a connection to the books. Uh, there was a great piece that someone wrote for us about um, the death of her big sister and how she grieved her, but also how much they loved the series, and that even though her sister is gone, they have this connection. She, you know, they have the tattoo uh, always, oh. right? To remind you that they're always with each other. Um, and it's just so wonderful to see people um, find their way through these really difficult and often harrowing experiences um, through the magic of storytelling. Yeah. When sharing that online and sharing that in a place where um, other people can read it, but you still maintain a little bit of that distance, like you said, that's, um, it's so important in making people feel less alone because there are so many stories like this of these connections that people have over the series and the way that you can bond with somebody um, and keep that connection alive, even if they have passed on. Yeah, and you know, my favorite moment um, in this in the movie, um, the final movie, is when Dumbledore says to Harry, "You know, just because it's happening in your head doesn't mean it's not real." Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found that so validating. Um, so often on social media, which is, I think, very ironic. You see people telling other people to get off of social media and live real life. And um, I really think that that's ableism Mm -hmm. because there are people who maybe they're disabled and they cannot leave their homes. There are people who are so depressed that the only way that they feel like they can engage with the world is through a screen. And thank goodness they can do that. It's their window to the world. And I don't think anybody gets to say that the connections that you form online are not real. Mm -hmm. I love my computer friends. They've been a lifesaver for me. Um, So I think communities like the Harry Potter fandom, like Sweatpants and Coffee are so important. Um, Certainly when I created Sweatpants and Coffee, I didn't know I was creating the community I was going to need. You know, when I went through... um, really difficult things. Uh, but I am definitely grateful. Absolutely. What you've said just now about online communities and you've written about it as well is 
I know it's something that resonates for me a lot personally, as I've, most of my relationships have been um, through social media or, you know, via text or phone call, probably for the past five years, just because of long distance friendships, uh, having online work, and then, like you mentioned, you know, feeling sometimes your mental health can really prevent you from leaving the house uh, and getting out and making those quote, you know, like in-person real world connections. But this, since starting this podcast, um, talking to people from all over the world and connecting with people, even though, you know, this is, we're computer friends, we are digital friends. This has been some of the most validating, real, uh, important conversations that I've ever had in my life. And, you know, these aren't, these aren't happening in person. These are things that are happening over the computer. And I guess I, I just want to really reemphasize what you said. I really agree with you. And, um, and for anybody listening who has ever felt, you know, like you're not doing enough for not having a connection or a lot of connections out in person, you are doing everything you can, you know, you're doing your best and this isn't any less real than anything else. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that you're doing such a good job if you're, if you're, first of all, if you're just waking up and just <laughs> right. breathing in and out, some days that's all you can do. And that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but also good for you finding connection online. I, I would not, I might not be here if I didn't have my online communities and my online friends, I have gotten so much support. Um, I've been able to give support, which is also a gift. Um, I have so many friends, you know, dear friends where we haven't met in person, uh, or when we do finally meet in person, it's like, you're not meeting for the first time. It's just kind of like, Oh, there you are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and so often that's the feeling I get in an online community because you do form, I think often these profound connections. I mean, yes, you can, you can fool people, you can create a facade. But the real connections, um, I would say in real life as well as, I hate saying in real life, we'll say in person mm -hmm. rather than online, it all depends on how vulnerable you're willing to be. Yeah. And if you are willing to reveal yourself, um, of course, when you feel safe, when, when you've had enough time to build up a friendship, I mean, that is as strong as an in-person friendship, maybe more, maybe stronger. Mm -hmm. definitely you get to the I think online you can get to the real stuff a lot faster that connects you with the person deeply a lot faster definitely so in talking about all of this um, it's very exciting that in October um, you have a book coming out, the Anxiety Blog Comfort and Encouragement Journal, um, which I'm just, I'm so excited for you to share with everybody what is going on um, in this journal. So 
could you talk to us a little bit about what it is and uh, why you decided to create it? Okay, well, this is another thing that um, sort of happened organically. Um, you know, I think most people who start their own businesses go into it with, with a business plan and, you know, they have certain goals that they want to accomplish. And I really went into it backwards. I just went into it as a passion project and something that I loved. And then all the opportunities started happening. Um, for the for this, the Anxiety Blob uh, Comfort and Encouragement Journal, I was actually approached by, um, by a publisher, by Media Lab, um, who said, hey, you know, we see all this content that you've got. Would you be interested in creating uh, a journal for people? And I thought, well, yeah, that hadn't occurred to me, but I, I think that would be great. Um, and so we, we decided that we would use the, the character of the anxiety blob as um, sort of a way in for people to talk about their experiences and um, to just, I, I didn't want it to be like, um, you know, there are so many inspirational journals that you'll see out there if you go to Barnes and Nobles and, and you look at the shelf. And a lot of them are very beautiful and or funny. And they're the kind of thing that your friend would give you and you'd be grateful. And then it would just sit on your bookshelf mm -hmm. because it feels like homework. And when you have anxiety like mine, um, I don't think I would even open it unless I felt like I could do it justice. Like, okay, now I have to sit down and write this thing. And I thought that is too much of a commitment. When you have anxiety, you can only do things in small bites, uh, which is why social media is very awesome. It's, it's a lot easier to do that than to read a book sometimes. Um, so if you look at the journal and you can get a taste of it kind of with the, um, anxiety blog comfort and encouragement guide that's currently it's like a book -a -zine. it's out on magazine stands right now and it gives you a taste of what's in the journal it's it's like listicles you know like what are you know name these good things that happened to you today and you can just jot it down you don't have to do it in order you can open it to any page maybe you want to draw a doodle maybe you want to color something it really is just a way to um, acknowledge yourself, um, hopefully it make you smile a little bit, um, maybe feel less alone. A lot of the stuff in there is, you know, what you're going through is real. You're not imagining it. Um, it's totally okay to feel the, the way that you do. I really love the way that you have, because um, I've had a chance to look at the, uh, the guide um, which is, like you mentioned, available for purchase. We'll make sure for anybody listening, y'all will have a link so you can, uh, you know, go find where to purchase it and buy it yourselves because it is a, it is, you did such a great job of making it accessible. And like you mentioned, you know, this is, this is a journal that you want to write in, you know, you want to go in. It's because it's the, you know, the idea that like these, little bite-sized tasks, these small, manageable, reasonable goals are so helpful for people with anxiety and other mental health disorders. Um, and I just, I love how in all of this work, in the, in the guide, in the journal, and also in, you know, the sweatpants and coffee uh, across the social media and in the writing, there is this 
feeling of compassion, this, you know, uh, and comfort, I guess, you know, like sweatpants and coffee. Everything is written in a way that is so accessible and non-intimidating, which in some, you know, like if you look for something like a book to help you manage your anxiety, a lot of it is written in this way that is kind of intimidating to come into and help you help yourself. And this is not that way at all. It's this, it's still comprehensive though. Like everything is so well presented. All of the information is there, you know, the little, the way that the little tidbits, I guess, are weaved in, like anxiety can make you feel this way. Anxiety can make you feel this way. Here's something you can do to help yourself. Um, it makes it feel natural. So just, I cannot recommend this more to anybody who is, you know, struggling with anxiety. I think you've done a really, really great job. Thank you so much. Um, it was very important to me that it was accessible. It was important to me that it didn't feel like a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. um, I think with anxiety blobs, you need to be very gentle. And you're right about having compassion. And I think the reason that I try to to include that in, in whatever I'm writing or creating is because that's something I really struggle with. Um, I think, especially if you have uh, a disorder like this, you ha just have the meanest self-talk. I mean, my head is just full of, of um, you know, mean voices. And the only way that I can get through is to remind myself, okay, I would offer compassion to a friend who was going through this. I need to try and do this for myself, even if it feels uncomfortable, even if it goes against my factory installed wiring. Um, <laughs> this is this is a necessary uh, practice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As you were putting all of this together, um, I'm curious what the what the creative process was like and how you were able to weave all of these concepts and prompts together in a way that felt right for you? I would say that the creative process was, um, for me, very internal. Uh, I didn't want to model it after other people who had written about it. Um, I'm, I don't position myself as a mental health expert. I'm not. I'm only an expert in my own experience. And what works for me may not work for someone else. And I think that's why we have such a variety uh, of activities and approaches in this little journal. Mm -hmm. uh, because I hope that people can find themselves in those pages. Uh, certainly for me, it, it really was me just kind of like, what would I want to do? Um, you know, I what would be helpful to me? And, and I have found my way to a lot of these practices um, just trying to cope with my life. Uh, when I was in treatment for cancer, there were days where it, it just, everything just sucked. It just sucked. But I would force myself to try and find things to be grateful about. And it might be like the taste of coffee, um, the way the sun looks through the window, uh, because you know I was just in bed I couldn't I couldn't go anywhere or do anything mm -hmm. and so much of coping with the hard moments in life is just trying to leapfrog from one moment to another yeah and so 
when I was thinking about the journal, really that's what it is. Uh, it's not sit down and write three pages about your day or about your thoughts. It is what will help you in this moment. Mm-hmm. Will this thing help you? Okay, then then go ahead and, and uh, you know, draw this picture and write down three things. Um, and now you're through this moment and hopefully you can face the next one. That's That's really what it was about. What a perfect, a perfect bite size. I don't know. It just, it matches with everything that I have ever learned about coping with my own anxieties. And, um, yeah, I, it's just, I cannot, uh, I'm a broken record here, but I really cannot (laughs) recommend this more for folks. And, um, with the, with the digest, we've talked about it a little bit, um, but can you give us uh, a little bit of information, anything you feel like you haven't said about the digest that folks might want to know? Well, I think that one, um, it's helpful in this moment, uh, particularly. I think that we are, as a global community, experiencing anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, even people who do not suffer from the disorder just are experiencing anxiety you don't have to uh, be someone with a mental health struggle to enjoy this guide or to find it helpful mm-hmm. um, it is a hundred pages of you know various activities um, and prompts and it, it's it's like a sneak preview of what you're going to get in the journal in October that of course will have more content um, it'll be a little bit more extensive um, but it, it really is just to help make this manageable for you. Yeah. Um, to just to help you get from one moment to the next and it's on newsstands, uh, across the country. Um, you can find it at places like Target or Walmart or Walgreens. Uh, you'll see it right at the checkout stand, you know, <laughs> um, and it looks really different than the other magazines cause there's the anxiety blog kind of peeking out at you on the cover. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I, I hope that people uh, find it helpful and enjoyable. Absolutely. Yeah. You'll look for the anxiety blob out there and <laughs> they will be waiting for you. <laughs> and by the way, um, for Harry Potter fans, uh, I've decided that the anxiety blob is a Hufflepuff. <gasps> I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at him, them if you look at them of course they're a hufflepuff it makes total sense (laughs) (laughs) well nanea this has been a really lovely interview and i'm curious to know if you have any final words of wisdom or advice or if there's anything else you want to share with everyone listening i think i would just say well first of all uh it's been a real pleasure for me so thank you so much but what i would say is um be unapologetically weird um, and honest. Just be yourself as honestly as you can and you are going to find uh, the people that belong to you. And um, what you're going through is real and valid. Thank you so much for that. I Thank you. 100% uh, reemphasize the be unapologetically weird. That is <laughs> such a key piece of advice for all of us Harry Potter fans. Right. Um, well, Linnea, thank you again for joining me on the show. It's been wonderful to have you. Thank you, Madison. It was a pleasure.
was my interview with Nenea. Nenea, thank you for joining me and sharing your story with everyone. You can all purchase the Anxiety Blob Comfort and Encouragement Guide at newsstands all over the country. I've got a list here of stores carrying the digest. They're grocery stores, so the next time you're out grabbing groceries, definitely check out the magazine area and you'll find it. It's being carried at Bartels, Brookshire Brothers, Brookshire Grocery, Dollar General, Fred Meyer, Giant Eagle, Harris Teeter, H-E-B, Ingalls, Kroger Fries, Kroger Columbus, Kroger Delta, Kroger JC, Kroger King Super, Kroger QFC, Kroger Ralph's, Kroger Smith's, Lowe's Home Improvement, Major, Publix, Roundies, Target, Walgreens, and Walmart. So if you check those places out, then you'll find it with the other magazines. You can also pre-order the full journal that's coming out this October. We'll provide a link to that on our webpage and on our social media. Thank you all for listening. I hope you'll join me next time for another conversation in the headmaster's office. Take care.